You're listening to the Soggy Bottom Girls podcast, exploring all things on the Great British Baking Show with your hosts, Alison Roche and Lisa Vukmirovic. Welcome to the Soggy Bottom Girls podcast. I'm Alison. And I'm Lisa. And today we're going to be talking about breaking down Netflix's Collection 3, Episode 1. We're going to also catch up on some Christmas baking that both of us have been doing and maybe talk through a few tips as they come up. Sounds like what a plan. What did you make this week? Uh, this week, I made some sugar plum cheese Danish dupes from Starbucks. And it was my, my daughter is a barista at Starbucks and she brings home lots of treats and she got my other daughter hooked on the uh, sugar plum cheese Danish and they found a dupe on a dupe, you know, a copycat recipe online. And we made that yesterday, but of course, in all honesty, we have to admit that we bought the puff pastry. (laughs) We had to buy the puff pastry. Why would anyone make puff pastry, Allison? Why? You've done it though, right? No, I've made phyllo. Oh, that's right. I've I never ha- made puff pastry and I don't really intend to. Every time I watch them make it on Bake Off, I think, why? Why would you do that? And I have to say, they came out absolutely perfectly and all you do is unfold it. And when they make the puff pastry, it just like it looks like the most frustrating thing in the world. Like if you get the butter one tiny bit outside, you know, it's all going to leak. It's all going to be terrible. Pepperidge Farm, you're my best friend. So feel free to sponsor our podcast because <laughs> it was truly the, one of the easiest recipes. But I did have to make my own jam. Oh, out of the plums? I did not find any plums. I had to use prunes. Oh, good for you. Yes, and we had to soak them in wine to plump them. Was that part of the original recipe for the plum? Or did you just made that up? No, the the plum the recipe called for plum jam, and we went everywhere in town looking for plum jam. You know, Walmart and Whole Foods and Fresh Time, and nobody had any plum jam, so we just decided to make it. And it, I think it came out pretty good. It might have been a little thick. Because the picture looked a little more runny, you know. But anyway, I would highly recommend it. And, you know, I'm not like a plum eater or, you know, like visions of sugar plums dancing their heads. It was very Christmassy because it had like cloves and it had cinnamon and nutmeg. It had a really nice holiday flavor. So I would recommend that. So what what makes it spiced? Did you say it was called like a sugar plum or a spice plum? It, it was just called sugar plum cheese Danish. Sugar plum cheese Danish. Mm-hmm. What kind of cheese is it? Cream. <laughs> Neufachschnell. I can't say it. You know how to say it? You're from Wisconsin. How do you say it? I don't, I don't say it. I always say Nauschwanstein, which is, or Steen, which is a castle in Austria, I believe, that my parents brought me a shirt from when I was 13. <laughs> So I think you have to turn in your I'm from Wisconsin card if you can't say new There's a lot of pieces I can't pronounce, uh, having just been to the cheese store over the weekend. Ooh. But I think it sounds good. I'm prune averse, but for no good reason. Yeah, they you just plump them up with all and honestly, we poured out the extra the extra wine that had, you know, we soaked the the prunes overnight and the wine was Aldi wine. Two ninety-five. 
And that, mm-hmm. my mouth is watering thinking about it. It's nine o'clock in the morning and I'm thinking about that wine. It was so, so good. Was it red or white? Red. You're supposed to soak it in red wine. And I always have a big bottle of cheap red wine lying around. So that's what I made this week. Did you make anything this week? Did you bake? I did. I I made my dad a birthday cake. And my dad has always loved for his birthday a cherry chip cake. That's what he's called it. And I couldn't find my recipe. So I just Googled it and found what I thought was a really nice, different cake because it had buttermilk in it which kind of intrigued me and a lot of cherries so I made that and I did chop my cherries so the chip the chip is actually chopped up cherries not like a chocolate chip that's cherry flavored I think that there is a box mix called cherry chip which must have like a dehydrated cherry but yeah I believe that the cherry is the chip okay I've never made one like that. Now, do how do you keep the cherries from falling to the bottom of the batter? As in Mary Berry's um, cherry cake from, I think, series one. Oh, well, I did chop them very small so that they were just properly dispersed. And you did not toss them in flour because I've heard that's a tip. To make them hang on into the batter. I did not know that tip, but I that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I do that sometimes with blueberry muffins so they don't fall. I'm going to take a street off topic here slightly because I'm remembering that the recipe called for cake flour. And I wondered what your thoughts were about cake flour. And is it absolutely necessary? I did not use cake flour because I didn't have any. Um, That is an excellent question. And I will tell you right now that I love to bake. I bake a lot of things, but cakes are not something that I enjoy baking very much. I like like a pumpkin roll, a Swiss roll. I like to make that kind of cake. I like to make cupcakes, but um, I'm not a big cake maker. And we have purchased the softest silk uh, cake flour when Sophie made a cake, and it was fantastic. I think there is a difference. I'm not quite sure about the protein content. I probably should look into that a little bit more. You know how like on Bake Off when they say strong flour, strong flour. I think there's a high protein content that they use for breads, you know, like bread flour. And then there would would be less in the cake flour. Probably somebody somewhere is going to be like, you guys are so wrong about these things. But (laughs) I I think that's what it is. But it's a lot more expensive. It comes in a little box you know well I think that's where we complement each other because if I had any baking strengths it would be more cakes yep ish mm-hmm. but so I like that and I I'll look into it too being both of us being amateurs I think that I have a lot of questions about terms and and products that they use and I've always wondered what strong flour was mm-hmm. um, if and it, also pastry flour which I have, and there's whole wheat pastry flour. And I just, um, I guess I don't know. I don't know it all yet. That we just got to keep learning. And it's difficult because the the British terms are always so different, you know, right. from, from what we use. So right. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. So anyway, shall we talk about the first Madeira cake challenge? We should, because full disclosure, I've watched this series 
five or six times, probably over, over a couple of years. I'm guessing. That's the but, beauty of it always being on Netflix. It's comfort watching mm-hmm. baby. You just turn that shit on and you stay in your kitchen and you got all your friends there helping you through your bakes. <laughs> yeah. And you know, when I saw it the first time and they said there, the challenge was a Madeira cake. I assumed it had Madeira wine in it. And then I just didn't really pay any closer attention. And this time when I rewatched it, I did pay closer attention. A Madeira cake does not have Madeira wine in it. It does not. I don't know why they call it that. I looked it up. Is it citrus? Something to do with the citrus? No, it's so silly to me because it's because technically it was served with Madeira <gasps> in the 18th. That's right. Did you, I think some of the bakers served it with a little glass of wine. I think they did now. I think that uh, nowadays it's served with tea or like a little, um, yeah, like a liqueur or something concentrated mm-hmm. that is alcoholic. And yeah, and I was really struck by that because when I watched it again, Madeira cake started reminding me of pound cake and it is very close, similar. Close textured. Yeah. Heavier, more plain can take on the flavor, which makes perfect sense when I looked at it through that lens, when I looked at some of the flavors that these contestants made. Gin and tonic. What'd you think of that one? Yeah. <laughs> My husband loves gin and tonic, but I have to say no, Matt. No gin and tonic, even though there wasn't enough gin for Mary, of course. Because she enjoys a tipple, as we all know. Yes, she does. Um, I thought that somebody that stood out was Ian. Yes. um, Because they did not like that he chose a sort of Jamaican um, lime ginger. Coconut. Coconut. And... They said his tasted like wallpaper. I have that written down in my notes. I thought, oh no, what a terrible start for Ian. Awful. But there was something that was happening in this episode that I think kind of made its way through all three challenges. Um, where someone like Marie, who is a grandmother and has like loads of experience. And she, for at least the first two, stuck with like, this is what a Madeira cake is. Textbook. This is what a Madeira cake is. And guess what? She nailed it. And they were like, that's a perfect Madeira cake. It's not creative, but it's a spot on Madeira cake rather than someone like Flora who like tries some different things because she's 19 and was more creative. So it's always that, it was always that dichotomy of do I stick with the sim- the simple, I mean, it's really not simple, but it's the basic, you know, um, mm-hmm. and nail it. Or do I go off a little bit and try to do something that they haven't seen before and really F it up, you know, like poor Stu and his lime and chocolate Madeira cake. They're like, that is not a Madeira <laughs> cake. And it, it looked disgusting. And I'm like, lime and chocolate? Yuck, Stu. I know some of their combos, some of their combos are like, you know, rose water and bleh. But um, the lime and chocolate sounded gross. So anyway, I I just thought that was a theme throughout this entire episode of do you do you do the usual and nail it or do you try to do something? What where would that be like on the rating scale for someone like Paul and Mary? 
I think that's probably what we both like about the show, too, is seeing things we've never seen before. And it's that fine line for them to compete with what they probably all can do, just a very basic Madeira cake, just fine. Because in Paul's words, you don't get into this tent unless you're a very good baker, blah, blah, blah. Which is like, <laughs> a things he says at the end to say goodbye to somebody. But, um, you know, I'm sure it's sort of pushing the envelope without being too wackadoo, like Stu kind of went off the rails. Poor all Stu. The way he never got started, according to Mary Perry. <laughs> He never got started. Bless his It must heart. be real that one of the British tabloids accused him of utilizing years earlier. That's like the only information I can find out about Stu. <laughs> what did you learn about Stu? I Googled him and the only headline that came up was that he had sort of been found out to have experimented with ayahuasca. You know, What's ayahuasca? <laughs> I don't know, Allison. Is a drug, a hallucinatory drug, and people, it's kind of, um, I don't want to say trending, but I think there is some trend to it. People that kind of dig that will go down to South America and have an ayahuasca experience to sort of like, you know, like an acid trip, except for it's all natural, but I think you get really ill. It's a quite the experience. You know, Stu looks like the kind of guy that would do that. Let's just be honest, right? He's in a band, whatever, Stu. His little pork pie hat. His little pork pie hat. He was a cutie pie, but I had had enough. (laughs) I can't believe that he went before poor Dorette, you know, but she was the next victim. Mm -hmm. She always looks scared and sad. Don't you agree? I absolutely agree. And even my husband, John, came through when I was watching, he said, what's up with that chick? She always looks like she's about to cry. And I she said, yeah. always looks like that. She does. She does. Um, yeah. And she didn't, she too just made sort of a, a fine, nothing wrong with her Madeira. It was just bland. Like No, but what about the next one with the, when it was just a big, bleh, remember when it came out of the, she was making that chocolate thing and yeah. It was a big mess. Poor thing. Poor thing. Well, the technical before the showstopper, the walnut cake, I thought, I don't think there's anything I would be less interested in making or eating. I, not that it was bad. It just looked like boring. Worth the court, not worth the uh, calories. Oh, perfect. That's a perfect way to say it. But I would like to pause here a little bit and talk about making caramel. Poor Alvin. Good. Alvin struggled with <laughs> damn caramel. And I was like, Alvin, I have been there. I, I, I love caramel more than anything. This is a true story. When I was like 16 years old, I would go through the drive-thru at McDonald's. This is an American thing, baby. I would go through the drive-thru with my friend, Jenny Fox, and we would ask for a cup of caramel. <laughs> no, we don't want any ice cream. Please, and to be funny, we would say a cup of caramel. <laughs> You'll have a cup of caramel, please. And they're like, we don't know how much to charge it for a cup of caramel. <laughs> and then I eat it with a straw. It was so good. You eat it with a straw? Hell yeah. Oh. <laughs> so that's me and caramel. I like chocolate, but I love wow. caramel. And um, I have made caramels. 
they are delicious. And once they're around, you know, forget it, all bets are off. But to make the caramel that you don't stir and you're trying so it's not granular, you look away for a nanosecond and it is burnt. It is, it is so hard. And if I had more time in my life and who has more time than when you're at home during a pandemic, I probably should be making caramel every day. But when Alvin burnt that caramel, like over and over, I was like, dude, I feel you. I'm sorry. And then, and then he finally got it. Well, first of all, I thought I loved caramel until this moment, discovering that you would do that in the McDonald's drive-thru. <laughs> Come on. It's delicious. <laughs> I and it's probably not even caramel. It's probably corn syrup colored with Coke or something. <laughs> <laughs> I love Alvin. I actually really love Alvin. And he always kind of breaks my heart through every episode. He's so serious. You no, know, he's so serious. It means so much to him. And he's so sincere. And I think he really is talented. I'm with you. I felt terrible. He's like, I'm going to try to make it again. He like he compared to let's just go to a different a different series like him compared to Selassie. Selassie's always like, eh, I made it that way on purpose. That's what a log would look like in the forest. It's not it's not perfect. And Alvin's always like, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, 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 he's just so serious. I want to be like, Alvin, maybe you should go have some ayahuasca and like chill. But <laughs> hook up with Stu after this is all over. <laughs> oh, Alvin. Yeah. Well, tell me what you... So are you really into the sugar work? Do you add that detail to things you bake? No, not really. I would like to try like spinning the sugar the way they do on the, um, what's that called? Kokumbush. You know how they do that. But obviously, you know, I talked about it before. I make taffy and that's sugar work. Yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just a, you have to know how to do things to temperature and, um, you know, know how to pull it, know when to mess with it. So I would say I can do it. I'm not very um, experienced in anything except taffy. I would Mm -hmm. like to try peanut brittle. That always looks like fun. Or, um, you know, different kinds of brittle that they do on the show. So, yeah, I'm I'm not really great at it. But I do have a big slab of marble that a good friend gave me that is good for candy making. Uh-huh. Good to have. <laughs> so the winner of the technical was Ugne. Ugne. Yeah, and she did extra sugar work on her. Yeah, um, she did. I think she kind of does that later on through the series too. Um, but she did a good job with her. Oh, did they like her Madeira cake? It was lemon thyme or not. They said they couldn't like, taste the thyme, remember? Yep. Yeah. Not yep, enough time in there because lemon takes over. But I think Ugne is a real kind of consistent baker. She's not like mind blower, but she just, right. you know, keeps chugging along, doing a really good job. Yes. I have a very fiddly item about Ugne, and I just wonder if you've noticed or if anybody listening has noticed if you're somebody that watches as many times as I am. When they're doing the little biographies in the beginning of the unfolding of each episode and they show her baking in her apartment with her partner and kids in the next room and her partner's just standing there with his arms crossed with like a really crabby look on his face <laughs> just think 
like, what's the story there? Like, he hates baking. He hates her. Maybe he was just nervous and didn't know what to do with his arms. That's probably the real story. I know. I wish that those little pieces of their lives came through a little bit more. I would like that. Yeah, that they would expand on them just a little bit, especially the ones that stay in it for a good three, four, five episodes even, you know? Absolutely. I feel like that's a really big difference between American television and um, and British. Not yeah. that I watch a lot of British television except for this show. But, you know, I've seen, I've watched people who have been on American Idol and they will like, they'll keep asking you, hey, what's happened in your life? What's something bad that's happened in your life? Oh, my, my family's, it's pretty, pretty solid. Well, didn't some, maybe something happen and they'll keep prodding and prodding and prodding until they're like, oh, your grandma died when you were five. Okay. Let's, let's tell a half an hour story about that. So everybody feels bad. You are exactly right. And I think that that is why I enjoy this so much because it's not putting people at their worst and exploiting it for ratings or for whatever quote unquote good television. I love that it's positive. I love that they seem to like each other. I love that it doesn't, um, they don't sensationalize things that are down in their lives at all. I really, really appreciate that. Agreed. And it's, I feel like it's much less stressful instead of like 10, 9, 8. They never, they're like, okay, now your time's up. Back away. Everything's mm-hmm. fine. Can we come and help you carry that? You know, it's, it's a huge. Yes. Mm-hmm. So well, let's talk about the showstopper. Okay. What would you like Have to you talk made about? A have you made one? <laughs> no, I have not. I have not made a Black Forest Ghetto. I'm sorry to say. I have not either. And I think of that just how they put it, a sort of 70s presentation. Mm-hmm. Of a cake. I, it doesn't, I don't know, it just feels like your grandma's favorite cake, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It just doesn't. Yeah, and then they, the thing is, they're like, make a Black Forest Ghetto, and then someone sweet like Marie will pipe, you know, in a certain way. They're like, well, that's 70s. And you're right. like, uh, right. well, I, um, and why does, why does it have to be like, that has to be 2020 in your, right. in your presentation? What's wrong with making it look 70s? Okay. You know, if you're going to, if that's when it was in, I would probably want it to look that way, but... I, I swear, sometimes you just never know what they want. And I'm sure they're filled with anxiety and dread thinking, is this a, what they want? Is that what they want? Should I do this? Should I do that? And then just going down the wrong path because you guessed wrong. Paul particularly is very contradictory. He will say this is what we're looking for. And then he's almost disappointed by when they deliver exactly what they said they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think Mary is, um, well, I think everybody would agree that she's just much kinder. And I love how I really noticed it when I was paying attention that she'll be like, that's not enough gin for me. (laughs) Or she'll be like, you know, for me, that didn't come through. And so she's kind of acknowledging everybody's taste buds are a little bit different. And just that for my personal taste, that wasn't what I was looking for. So instead of saying, that's garbage or you know um paul says i don't like that that's terrible 
And then you're like, well, nobody in the world would like it. Well, probably somebody would. Just you today didn't like it. I don't know. There were some, there were some Black Forest Gato standouts. Um, did you like Flora's? She used cherry powder. She made cherry and it pinker. More pink? Is it pinker or more pink? More pink. More pink, I think. Yeah. Um, I liked hers. I I thought it looked modern. And I didn't care if it looked retro, but I did like her take on it. Mm -hmm. I thought it was interesting that it was naked on the sides, but that doesn't seem to be um, an issue with British baking. It's not uncommon that it's just a cake nut. doesn't include frosting. Do you know what I mean? Oh, sure. That's kind of a trend now to have it, you know, I guess it's called a naked cake or just the crumb coat. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, Ian did a good job also. He made a giant macaron base. Yes, he did. 3D chocolate tree with some weird animals that became quite the topic. Elephants. There was an elephant in the Black Forest, which was funny. (laughs) But, you know, these guys, it's always like, you know, for me, if I was going to make macarons or macaroons or whatever you want to say, if I was going to do that, that would be my project for the Mm -hmm. day. And P.S., I still don't do a good job on my macarons. The the last ones I made came out like completely lopsided. They were delicious, but they were lopsided. And these guys are like, they just make them and use them as a decoration. Or this is going to be the base of my cake. That's the kind of thing that blows me away, that they have so much technique where they can just be like, well, I'll just whip a macaron, a giant macaron together, (laughs) or a giant shortbread cookie wasn't it Sandy who made a giant yep. shortbread cookie for her for her base? He did do that. that looked I delicious. Also, I thought it looked delicious, and they called her piping from the seventies. Oh, that thought, she was the seventies, not Marie. That's right. Yep. Well, I thought, yeah, okay. What does that mean exactly? Just another one. We're standing down. I love her. I love her in a little northern accent. I have to say that one of the big things that came out during the Black Forest um, ghetto was how Mary says Liz. And that's my favorite thing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not even going to try to imitate it. It will just sound You can say it. Liz. Oh, look at the Liz. They're so clean. I can't say anything else except Liz. And so anytime I make something like when I make Millionaire Shortbread, I took a picture of it and sent it to my daughter. And she goes, the Liz. (laughs) They came out so beautiful. <laughs> so yeah. Overworked. Overworked. It's, oh, oh gosh. Paul is, you know what? I don't, I know I, if I studied baking for another hundred years, I still couldn't be good enough to be on that show, but he is the voice inside my head while I'm like, you know, tasting something that I made. I'm like, well, that's overworked. Yeah. It's yeah. overproved. Mm-hmm. Totally crept into my brain as well. Thanks, Paul, for being the kitchen ghost that nobody wanted. So Alvin did a good job. He tempered chocolate. They liked his flavors. Paul did a good job. He used double cream and cherries. They said it was a good cake. How about that beetroot, though? Well, that sealed his fate. (laughs) Stu, what are you thinking? Beets are delicious, but sometimes they taste like dirt. (laughs) They do. And Paul has said he does not like beetroot. I love beets, but I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have done that either. I mean, what was he that, was, 
that was a uh, trying to be too edgy, trying to be too out there, you know. Um, and you, part of me goes, "Yeah, that was great," but they kind of warned him during it. We're looking for chocolate work, also, and he didn't do any chocolate work. He made nope. truffles. He was the one that didn't he cover it with meringue. Yeah. I think Swiss meringue. That's tea. not Black Forest Gato. It looked like baked Alaska. Yeah, I agree. I didn't think it looked very good. And the truffles were really big and bulky. And Yes. I think the mm-hmm. lesson here, back to my do I do something out of the box or do I stick with the tried and true, I think when it's the beginning like that, you need to, you need to like stick to the brief, as they say. You need to stick to the brief and then as things go on and they know what you can do and you kind of get your foothold, then you can start to gild the lily a little bit and get a little more out there. Do you agree? Be solid. Be solid. Show your skills. Don't worry about super impressing right away. Just be able to get it done. Yes. I, I think probably Nadia, that's sort of her road on this, I think, is... She just starts out fairly solid and nothing really too interesting as we'll get into, but, um, just Except do your eyebrows, of course. <laughs> I was looking at those things again. I'm like, damn girl, what you doing? Agreed. But can we acknowledge the fact this starts the trend of Nadia being so, so low on the technical. Remember she was 12. Mm-hmm. She was yeah. technical and she did that for a long time. You know, we all know, I know, spoiler alert, she wins. She wins yeah. the series and goes on to like mega stardom because she's gorgeous and fun. But she was so bad at all the technicals and she, I think she kept jinxing herself over and over. But this was, you know, here we are, episode one, 12th and technical again. Right. But to your point, her other two, the signature and the showstopper were just solid. They yep. were just well executed, and that's why she wasn't eliminated. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, you could go <sighs> Dorette. I mean, she did do better than Stu, but her showstopper, as they said, you fail on the showstopper, that's basically it. Yep. Yep. And I, you know, I don't know. I don't think any of her flavors were outstanding in that. Oh, they said uh, it was like chewing on a robotaya? Oh, that's right. Because I didn't understand. What is that second cake she put in there? I just it. I don't know, but they said it was like a rubber tire. Yeah. Yeah. She just had too many elements in there and it just got kind of weird. Mm-hmm. And I, the lesson to be learned here is when you have to go back and make something again, you're always going to be behind. You're never going to catch up. Use, use the bad one because you know what? The devil, what do you say? Isn't it something that you say the devil that you know is better than the devil you don't know? Haven't you said that? Yes. Yes. I like that same. Yeah. So the cake that you have is probably better than the cake that you're going to make because it's at least it's done. Do you think this is a, just a little technical weird fan thing. Sometimes they'll make it and they'll go, I'm going to make it again. And then they make a big show of like dumping it in the bin. In the bin. Do you think they forced them to do that? Like, okay, well, you've given that one up. You can't hold on to it in case. Of, that is I mean? a fantastic question because I think I would hold on to that just in case. Yeah. I don't know why you wouldn't, but I, that would be a question for one of these bakers for sure. I yeah. just have lots of little technical thoughts about that. 
I hope you're keeping a list of things to ask people in case we get someone from Bake Off to talk to us. I is. Yes. Do you have to bin it? And I love the way they say that. I'm going to bin it because it was a right dog's dinner. (laughs) 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 Oh, so many. One other thing about this episode I wanted to talk to you about. Okay. Besides, we know that that Stu goes and Marie gets... Star Baker. Star Baker, thank you. There is a moment in the beginning of the episode where Flora has forgotten to turn her oven on. Yes. And she says, I forgot to turn the oven on. I have an aga at home. And so I totally forgot to turn the oven on. So did you know before this what an aga was? No, but I used my context clues because I'm a kindergarten teacher and, re- and figured it was something that probably heats their home and it's always on. Is that true? Why don't you tell me what it is? Well, my very little knowledge of it is just that you're exactly right. It is in the kitchen. It is always on. It's always hot. And there are, it is incredibly expensive. It is not so common here as it is in Britain. Um, I think that they started about twelve or thirteen thousand dollars, and they can go up to forty or fifty thousand dollars. Is she rich, and Flora? I think she may have be sort of well to do. The okay. universal writing sister through the kitchen was kind of a weird. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying that underprivileged people can't ride unicycles. Full of, you know. I need to protect myself here, clearly, from the unicycle mail we're going to get. Right, right, right. (laughs) (laughs) But there is some hints that maybe she has, you know, her family has some money. Whatever. But they do have a new guy. Can you spell that for me? It's just A-G-A. A-G-A. Okay. And I think it's super heavy, it's big, and it's hot all the time. And so there's obvious ups and downs to that, that it's always ready. I read that meats cook really fast and it kind of seals it. So moisture stays in. There's more than one oven, um, but cooking vegetables, for instance, they said, make them really soggy. Um, but how do you adjust the temperature? That I don't know, but it is hot all the time. And this American person was describing just it being ungodly hot in their kitchen in the summer, you know, because you can't, it is always on and running, but in the winter, it was very home and it, uh, homey and it felt like the center of their home and very, you know, warm, fuzzy and does heat their kitchen completely well. So there were definite ups and downs to huh. it. But I, I guess it's expensive to run as well. I think, well, the American, American, American that was uh, reviewing it said, yeah, their their propane bill was a few hundred a month <laughs> due to it just constantly running. Yeah, and so I just thought, well, maybe in a food service setting, those would be great. But hmm. it's weird for a home. I don't know. Yeah, I agree, and that's the only time I feel like that's ever been referred to on the show. I was going to say the same thing. Yeah. Never heard it referred to before. Well, when we get Flora to talk on our podcast. That's one of the questions we're going to ask her for sure. 
For sure. If she can take time away from her bakery that she now owns. (gasps) What's the name of her bakery? Flora's Bakery? I know. I wish it was. It's, I don't know how to pronounce it. It's spelled A-R-A-N. Okay. Aran. (laughs) I don't know. Hmm. Does she have a cookbook to go along with her bakery? She does. I'm going to have to check it out. She does. And spoiler alert, I found some uh, information on Durette that she has her own cake making business. I don't think a brick and mortar. but. And when you order the cake, it comes out of the freezer and immediately squishes on your counter. But you at least get to talk to a celebrity. Well, her cake business is called Cakes to Cry For. Oh, Durette. <laughs> Bless your sweetheart. I'm sorry I made fun of you just now. No, I didn't I didn't see anything current about her, but in years past there was photos and images of her serving as a judge here and on this over there. So I I don't have a great understanding of the impact being a contestant has. And those are, that would be another great question because some clarity on what sort of notoriety and celebrity you get from just being, you know, a three episode. Yeah. Well, I think the show is just so beloved and being, being chosen, you're auto- automatically like you're in the club, you know, mm-hmm. like the whole country. And I always have to think about that, that like Great Britain, they say is as big as Florida. Is that right? Like the the square mileage is about as big as Florida. And you think, well, that's a country. You know, as Americans, we're used to this great big vast expanse of, you know, 50 states and from here to there and whatever. But it's it's very, very small. And so we always laugh that like if you've watched one British movie, you've seen all the British actors. Like there's Uh, Alan Rickman and there's Emma Thompson and um Hugh Grant mm-hmm. and then they just mix it up and do it in another way they they all it's just a, it's a small small club and so once you get on Bake Off it's probably like hey you're al- already a national treasure even if you got thrown off in the first episode yeah I think you're right do you have any favorites favorite bakers yeah from this from this season Well, I feel like Sandy is really fun because she doesn't take herself too seriously. And she's really got that good, um, that good experience. And um, Marie also, I enjoy, maybe it's the older women that I love. Um, Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of really great people in this one. Nadia, of course, but she's just, she's so bright and shiny. I want to root for the kind of the underdogs, you know, the people with a little bit more experience. How about you? I like Flora a lot. I like that she's so young and at the same time seems to know so much. How did uh, they do this? And they, it wasn't Matt or Ian, because I always get those two mixed up because they, to me, they look very similar mm-hmm. um, in the way all white British guys look alike. <laughs> but um, they were like, he learned to bake three years ago. Yeah. And I'm like, wait a second. What? Do you just do this all day, every day? Do you not have a full-time job and a family? Right. And you would think that if he had a knack for it, he would have discovered it sooner. But he does pretty well in these first few episodes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm sort of jealous of people who are like, I bake for my firefighter friends 
And then the firefighter friends will eat whatever. Cause you know what? If I made a cake today, no one in my house would eat it. <laughs> that is the truth. I got two, two, a 19 and a 21 year old. And they'd be like, mm, that looks pretty. Do you want some? And this is what they say. You ready? I'm good. Do you get that? <laughs> I'm good. When, when my, when my family started saying that my nieces used to say that to me, I'm good. I'm like, just eat it. I, I slave for this. Please eat it. So I don't know. Have you heard that before? Do they say that at your house? I'm good. Yeah, I would say my daughter says that a little bit, but I can totally see that coming from what are they? Gen Z's? What are they? Yeah. Gen Z. No, are they, they're too young to be millennials, aren't they? Or is they would be like on the cusp of millennial because Anna was 99. So yeah, I would call them Gen Z's. But they do not have a sweet tooth, and it just always works against me. I'll make a big batch of cookies, and, oh, I had one. They always want it when it's hot. They'll always eat it when it's hot. And then it sits in the thing, and then I throw it out for the squirrels. Hmm. We're nutty. I got some fat squirrels in my neighborhood. <laughs> you don't put it out in your little hand in your screen door and call to nutty? To no, I just wait with peanut butter crackers for nutty, but that's a whole nother episode. If you want to do a squirrel lovers episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, since it's the week of Christmas. Yes. What do you have cooking? What's going on? What's what's going to be the big bake this week, do you think? You know, I thought about it. And I'm like, I really want to do a big Christmas Eve dinner with my, because it, it's just us, us four here. Mm-hmm. And if I make a dessert Probably no one will eat it, but I am thinking, and this is as American as it gets. I was thinking about making an apple pie because I have mm-hmm. a lot of Honeycrisp apples that I got from, from the farmer's market about a month ago that I really need to do something with. Um, something else that they will eat if I make it is a pumpkin roll. And Ooh. I've made a million pumpkin rolls. It, it is, you know, it takes, it takes some practice to get it right, but... Um, and the nice thing about a pumpkin roll is when you slice the end off, it still looks like, it still looks beautiful. It's yeah. still a pumpkin roll and you can keep it in the freezer. So that's probably it. And I think I'm going to bake some bread tonight because I'm going to make a lasagna to go with it. Oh, nice. Do you have anything fun planned? Um, we typically do some more snacky stuff, but I was, for Christmas Eve anyway, I was thinking today that I might pull out my grandmother's cranberry it was called cranberry cake I don't think it's complicated at all it's kind of a basic cake recipe with cranberries and orange in it but then she would make a butter (laughs) butter sauce that you pour over it and again I don't think it's anything remarkable but I was thinking about making them as cupcakes Mm. being the butter sauce a little bit to be more of a butter frosting so put some cream can, cheese in that girl. That sounds good. Yeah, just just to have a little nod to the past. You know, it always makes me think of Christmas. It's always a nice feeling, but I don't know. Watch, no one would eat that here anyway. But. I have a cranberry cake that I like to make for Christmas morning as well, and it does have orange. And back to my Starbucks dupes, yeah. I also made a cranberry bar recipe because Anna, um, it's the cranberry white chocolate cranberry dream bars that they have at Starbucks. And she found me a copycat recipe and um, I took a bite when it was done. I was like, it needs orange. 
It needs orange. It didn't have any orange in it. So actually when they were done, I zested an orange so I could at least get some of that. You have to have some orange with cranberry. Yeah, I agree. It's a perfect combo. Um, Perfect comp. I do like cranberry bread that has a real almost bitter. This cranberry cake also is very low in sugar. And so you get a very nice thing of the cranberry and orange unsweetened. And the more I talk about it, the more I want to make it. Do you use fresh cranberries or dried? Fresh. I have a bag of fresh in my fridge. Maybe you need to send me that recipe or you could post it on our Facebook page. I will do that. I would love that with a beautiful picture. Well, Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas. Next time we'll break down episode two. That sounds fantastic. I think we've got some biscotti in our future. Oh, I have I a lot to say about biscotti. I remember that you were a big biscotti oh, Love it. I have two of my favorite recipes. So is that us done? And dusted. Done and dusted, baby. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Thank you for listening to the Soggy Bottom Girls podcast. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Soggy Bottom Girls or connect with us at SoggyBottomGirls.com and may all your bakes be worthy of a Hollywood handshake.